Am I allowed to ask you about elephant words yet? Because I was thinking earlier, I'd like to ask you about it on the show, but I don't think I should just ambush you with it on the show. I don't think that's fair, so I thought I should. But I'd like to ask you about it today. Okay. Now the dust has settled. Yeah. Well, as far as an onlooker is concerned. Yeah, no, I mean, it... it, it save it for the show. It, sa- save it for the show. Okay, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll dive straight into elephant words. Okay. We'll dive straight into a question about elephant words. This will be the cold open. Yeah. Skip to the theme music. So basically, I'm trying to find a new because um, I've been eating basically the same thing for lunches at work okay. all this time, and this is the it's a Spanish bean stew. It's Ooh. weird because it says bean stew. Two of the ingredients are chorizo and chicken, and that's not in the title. If you're going to try and sell a recipe, you'd go with no. It's Spanish, and I think uh, I think at this juncture in time, if it's Spanish, it has to include chicken and chorizo. Is that the rule? Uh, yeah. How do you pronounce chorizo? I, I pronounce it chorizo. How is it meant to be pronounced? Chorizo! I think that's how it's meant to be pronounced, isn't it? So, chorizo. Chorizo! Chorizo. What's um, that you're doing? I'm not very good at pronouncing Mediterranean. I mean, it seems weird that this yeah. would be the case. You'd think but... it'd be in ge- it, uh, genetically ingrained. Yes. I... It's almost like Neil deGrasse Tyson's full of shicks. He, says, he said all sorts of chat about that. What, about... Ethnic and and nationality and thingy backgrounds being... Or it might have been a National Front video I was watching, I can't remember. Uh, Michael K. Williams, I think that's his name, the guy who plays Omar in uh, The Wire and he's been in Community and he's really good. Okay. He's got a scar. He's a really good oh, actor. Oh, yeah, the, the actor with the scar. He's in Happen Leonard. He's, he's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's upset some people on the uh, online group I'm on for saying uh, because he's he's basically a prominent black actor and he's mm. come out and said race is a red herring, racism is a red herring. It's really class war, and it's one of those awkward awkward situations. I haven't gone and read exactly what he said in context, but it's one of those awkward situations where I think that's. I can understand why, like, really intellectual people who are looking at trying to look at things from a more academic and intellectual perspective, whatever their background, whatever their race Mm. or ethnicity, I understand why they'd say that because there is an element of class war in most, in a lot of different sorts of bigotry. Sure. You know, I think. Yeah. And it's difficult, it's difficult to separate, it's difficult to separate the fact that because of uh, systemat- systematic, because of systemic racism, mm-hmm. uh, people of colour end up generally in lower class settings and situations. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the upper class is always at war with the lower class. There's always class war going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's really difficult to. It must be really difficult to extricate those from each other. But I totally understand why people were pissed at him. They were like, "Oh, come on." And here, at the very end, a couple of people were saying, I was with him, uh, I was with him until uh, the very end, where he said, and what about black-on-black crime? Which is apparently a real, like, it's kind of a trigger for people to go... That's a, Normally the people who talk about black-on-black crime are the people who are trying to dismiss 
systemic racism Mm -hmm. and they're normally white and quite racist because they're like well of course more police are shooting black people more black people are being shot by police have you seen the crime these people are doing on each other (laughs) that's where it comes i think that's why that's kind of a like even if it's one of those things where even if you've even if you've got a bigger more intelligent point to make using that don't use those terms because like they mean something very specific. They're coded when they're used by racists. You yeah, know? what about white on white crime? Uh, isn't wasn't white on white an album by someone? Probably Bob Dylan. Yeah, D- was it Bob Dylan? I don't know. I need to get no. I don't need no. to Google it. No, I'm not doing any Google. No, you show. Don't. We are not having our phones on this no, episode. We're in airplane mode, listeners. We are. We're Listen in airplane up. mode, listener. It is not. Uh, it's not because of any one specific this is not a blame culture mm. this is not because of any one specific person on this podcast my mum but but we did have a, a week of phone disruption you know um, my mum hasn't phoned me on my phone since then do you think that's scared her she keeps phoning up Nicola well I mean but that's the ideal really anyway isn't it yeah kind of certainly I keep trying to convince my parents that their, their best bet is to contact Amy my mum's alright it's a racist little mate I don't like a little mate yeah do you mean her husband is he her boyfriend her husband's dead mate is, is she not she's, oh she's not remarried yeah. they're living in sin mate how long have they been with each other oh long time now you can't be a conservative type and also know, live in sin it's weird isn't it that's not right. <clears throat> he wants to... They want to sort him out, the church-fearing, God-fearers. He, he's having his cake and eating it. He is. Oh. I saw an... Uh, uh, I know why you went, oh. <laughs> I know where you went immediately. Yeah. Your mum's a cake in that situation, yeah. isn't she? Oh. Um, but someone was saying... Someone said that about someone. I can't remember who. Mm. And then uh, someone else said, uh, yeah, that's, I've never understood that situation why would you want to have your cake Mm. why wouldn't you want to eat your cake if you have it and then someone else pointed out and i'd never thought of it this way that actually the wording is slightly wrong because Mm. we we're using a very we're uh, um interpreting a very specific meaning of the word have Mm. and what people actually mean is you want to retain your cake yeah they didn't use the word retain they were cleverer than me you want you want to uh retain your cake Mm. And eat it as well. It isn't just... You don't want to it's fuck not, your cake. It's not have as in consume. Okay. It's like it's... Anyway, people are cleverer than me. This podcast would be better if if, if intellectually uh, my... Well, end yours a little bit. I but can, my need, my uh, ability didn't so completely... My desire exceeds my intellectual... Ability. I can see why people might want to fuck a cake, though. You're I the mean, other way know, around. You're cleverer know, than you know, your ambition. You know, really. like um, you know, like a nice, really nice, moist Victoria sponge. That, I could see why you try it. That would be quite a pleasant sensation, to be honest with you. Would you try and go in from the top? Yes. Or would you immediately go no, for the cream? Top. You wouldn't want to go in between the layers. You'd want to go down from the top. Do you like things she, to be more difficult, don't she, you? No, that isn't more difficult. You don't want to get your, your dick in between the two sandwiches and get a bit of cream up your foreskin you want to go straight down through the sponge and the filling so as you get halfway through the filling the filling will then act as an added lubricant as you're going in and out i see and it will stay more solid 
whereas if you go in from the side it's going to break apart more quickly so you not only retain structural integrity of the cake as you fuck it if you do it from the top but also you get the added bonus of cream and jam lube you'd be able to eat it more you wouldn't totally destroy the hey, thing and maybe th- maybe this is having your cake and eating it if you fucked a cake and then after from the top you, from the top and then finish fucking the cake and then actually your penis might then become appealing to a partner and your partner might then want to suck your penis so that would be literally fucking a cake and having a blowjob i thought what where you were going to go with that was that if you're going from the top which isn't how i'd have no, it. it's the correct way to do it, Nick. If you actually really think about yeah, it, yeah, then then you can still you can still cut the cake into after removing yourself. You can still cut the cake into wedges, and most people wouldn't even notice that happened. Who eats a fuck cake? Well, people wouldn't necessarily know, would they? Unless some, you told them. No, some cakes are for eating, and some are for fucking. All right, yeah. you're you're differentiating. This cake I'm, I'm going to introduce to my mother. But this cake, I'm just going to fuck. That's awful. What? I, no, I totally get the metaphor. I'm not what blind metaphor? to... I know what? I'm not that intellectual, but I'm not blind to metaphor. And I'm not n- sure I like what you've just said. I am literally talking about cakes. Um, this is, I mean, this is... It's on the Good Food website, and I was worried. I was one of those people yeah. who fell for the... And the BBC are getting a bit too happy with doing this where they say we're probably going to have to get rid of this whole service because of cuts and it immediately draws attention to that service and they were talking about getting rid of all of the recipes but they've Mm. still got fucking loads of recipes it's awesome unless they haven't gone yet so it's the good food site it's the spanish bean stew and it's like it's nine ingredients many of which you'd already have in your house except for maybe the chorizo to be fair we quite often have chorizo just in the house yeah dicking about it's a sausage that's quite good i don't know if i said dicking i thought you did no i don't think so you're hearing what you want to wear and there's literally only two instructions as well (laughs) granted one of them is cook the chick cook them on a high heat and then the other one is put in the stock yeah that's it how many beans it just says a can cannellini can cannellini beans that feels like it might be like pin number cannellini beans that just sounds like chicken and chorizo soup. Uh, maybe, yeah. But it's um, like, it feels like they should be Nalini beans that you normally get in cans. So cannellini beans in it, and you should, the other beans should be canned baked beans and stuff like that. It feels like there's too many can cans in cans in there have so you, anyway have you been on an airplane recently nick because i can't i could just can't open those little packets of peanuts so um i want to talk about uh, sneezes that explode when you're in public and you're not expecting them to and it's a bit embarrassing oh yeah okay good so i was at my desk at work earlier on and i thought i had a sneeze contained because normally when i sneeze it's just kind of a, a i managed to mm-hmm. internalize it and just sneeze into my own head which I think like makes maybe if you were really close to my nose, you'd feel a little bit of spray. Mm. But like generally speaking, it's all contained. And and I'm quite good at that. Mm. But earlier today, and this only happens maybe once every couple of months, I was sat at my desk, and the sneeze caught me by surprise. I thought I had it contained. All I actually I managed mm. to contain it a little bit, but there was still it was quite violent, and it just kind of went, and it only went on me i don't think any of it Mm. went on the desk but i was kind of there just covered in this really fine spray on my hands and it felt like some of it my face felt a bit dirty 
You've created and, quite a lot of aerosol. Yeah, and I thought, I mean, obviously I had to clear it up, but other people in the room said, bless you, and I was like, uh, thanks. And I was thinking, they probably don't realise quite how they... They, because my, I'm, I'm mainly shielded by my screens, they probably think he's not an animal. If he was about to sneeze like that, he'd have a tissue or something or it's mm. contained somehow. So I was like, well, I've got choices now. Do I, like, go to the kitchen? And, I mean, if I go to the kitchen now, immediately after a sneeze like that, people are going to assume. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone was actually paying any attention. But I did. I went to the kitchen and I spent the whole time in the kitchen. I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll do some washing up while I'm in here because it, it, that, that way people will think that that's what I'm doing in here. If I really noisily do some washing up, they'll think, oh, he just remembered he had some washing up from lunchtime. So either people in my office think that I'm an animal who sneezes all over his hands and then goes and does washing up with mm. my snotty hands. Right. Um, or they just didn't notice and I went through all that anxiety for no reason. I reckon they all noticed. They're probably all, all together in a pub somewhere talking about probably what grotty snot monster you are. I have noticed um, this perfectly normal. All of the lovely people. I, I, there are lovely people who work in my office at the moment, and there's quite a, and they have been in the past. But there's quite they're in the they're in the majority at the moment. The nice people are in the majority at the moment in my office, and it's quite nice. And um, I have befriended everyone, and it's nice. Um, and I think they all think I'm funny within the context of the office. Mm-hmm. And this perfectly naturally, there are a bunch of them are women who are all of uh, approximately around the same age group and the same sort of attitudes. And and um, and professionally speaking, they're doing very different jobs from what I do and and stuff like that. And I've noticed they've started going out, like just after work for drinks and stuff, which I couldn't go for anyway because of the kids. And it's perfectly normal that they would form, like, a social group like that. A clique. Well, it's not really a clique because it doesn't come out in the office or anything. And I think it's just normal. Maybe they've only actually gone out for drinks a couple of times and it's just Mm. been convenient. Because it has been sunny, so why wouldn't they? It's been lovely weather. And and so on the one hand, I'm very glad for them all that they found each other and I wouldn't be able to participate in that sort of a social group anyway because I'm incredibly awkward. And I think maybe there have probably been situations where there was sort of an invite but like I haven't been able to go for a couple of drinky things, so it'd make sense that I wouldn't be involved. Um, it's not that I'm not invited, but I do kind of feel a little bit like I've been excluded a bit because I'm a boy and maybe I'm a bit weird. Mm-hmm. Well, probably those are pretty good reasons to exclude you. Yeah, you had quite a good drinking group when I first got to know you from work. It was quite uproarious at times. Amy mainly maintained that, I think. Oh, mm. from my work, mm. maybe. I don't know, it just felt like if I was going to fit in with any of my drinking social groups, it was going to be uh, as the deliberately by me maintained butt of jokes. I don't really, I'm not very good at them. I'm not very good at social groups. That was, To be fair, that was my very last social drinking group I was ever part mm. of, because Scarlett was born shortly after and I stopped going out. Yeah. By choice. We should, off air, we should try and remember who was in that group, not on air. Okay. Um, because it's interesting. I'm curious, but I suspect I know what went on there. More often than not, you weren't there, Nick, so cause yeah, exactly. she wanted to be elsewhere. Yeah. Because I think many of the members of the group probably, I didn't probably know at the time, made you feel a bit uncomfortable. They were probably mean. Yeah. Some of them were probably um, from 
marginalised groups. You know, I'm always a bit uncomfortable with people from marginalised groups. Yeah, there was, yeah. So, Def- um, definitely very much a, 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 an established member of the patriarchy. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, there's always one of them around, though, yeah. at least one. Yeah. Normally, 70% of the people in a group yeah. Yeah. of men yeah. are m- established members of the patriarchy. Very pro-patriarchy. Uh, so anyway, this is Two Grown Men. It's a parenting podcast. <laughs> is it, though, really? I think I think. Did I'd we still categorise like ourselves correctly? Bit. Well, that's, well, I don't know. Is that why we didn't win? Anything. Why we've never won anything. Probably. Well, maybe we should do some hard-hitting um, uh, uh, parenting topics, like, um, uh, my name is James and I'm still breastfeeding my six-year-old. I have literally nothing to say about breastfeeding. No. Certainly not that anyone wants to hear. Well, the only the only thing I've ever really had to say about breastfeeding is is stop telling women what the fuck to do. Yeah, I, I think it's it's the advice that breast milk is is best if possible is fine. After that, stop being a frigging Nazi about it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, let let ladies do what what's best for them and the child. What's her name said it best. In like a th- ah, in, Greer. in like a three or four minute uh, uh, poem, um, I shared it. Was it Pamers? No, I think I shared it on the two on the two grown men Facebook page and Twitter account this week. I think, but there's a lady who did a really really good uh, poem about education a while ago that got shared, and I think I thought that was just a viral thing, but it turns out she's actually she 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 is a, a poet. And she did one about breastfeeding called uh, recently called Embarrassed or something like that. And it's really good. I'll put it in the show notes. It's awesome. It's there's, really good. There's a lady, it's awesome. There's a lady is one of my trigger phrases. Is it? It starts me off. There's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold. That isn't. I mean, I suppose it is a trigger, strictly speaking. Yeah, but it triggers, a, triggers a stomp. Like a nice memory. Oh, God. Triggers don't have to be bad. You can have positive triggers, can't you? Like um, trigger off only fools and horses. Yeah, uh, again. Is Got this, to. He needs mentioning. I got, he it, was it, never really held in high enough regard. Everyone always goes on about the bit where he falls through the where Del Boy falls through the bar. Mm. But what about the bit where he called uh, Rodney Dave all the time? Yeah, I think that was the best bit of that program, and, and it um, happened every week. There was so. a scene of him um, in their local pub on it, and he was talking to people. There was that scene. Do you remember there used to be a person of color in that show, and he was in it almost every yeah. episode, and then he just kind of wasn't in it anymore after a certain point i used uh, to love that guy do you remember like the yeah but the, the landlord used to be in it and after the actor died all of a sudden he's not in it anymore the primary you're uh, saying uh only falls north has got whitewashed the main thing i remember about it uh the main thing i remember about that character is in an early episode when you watch it now there's an early episode where uh del boy is admonishing rodney because rodney mm. disappeared off and was having I don't know what the euphemism is. He's off with uh, Denzel. Does that sound Denzel, right? Denzel, yeah. He's off with smoking. Have you been wacky. off with Denzel smoking jazz cigarettes or something no, like I that? I think it's is it you who says used. jazz cigarettes? Yeah, I like that as a euphemism. So it, it, it was something like that. And I, at the time, I thought, oh, this is gritty. I, I like uh, that when they paint Denzel's flat with that fluorescent paint. That's quite funny. But. But thinking back, it seems weird that that's the friend that Rodney's... That's a bad influence on Rodney in terms of the wacky-backy. Yeah, because it was associating it with with black people, with Rastafarian culture, wasn't it? But it is a little bit weird 
that. Which, I mean, I think it's okay to associate black people with Rastafarian culture because Rast- Rastafarianism is a part of black, uh, certain parts of black culture. Isn't yeah. Um, I mean, but to say all black people are Rastafarians is racist, and I just want to make it clear that I understand that. <laughs> just in case it's the first show you're <laughs> listening to and you think I'm some kind of fascist. But it's interesting that Only Fools and Horses, that was uh, there was a period of time where it was meant to be hugely and i think a a lot of it 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 maintained this through a lot of it Mm. but it was incredibly uh socially relevant for a sitcom yeah it was yeah and i mean no it got it got quite white later on but then it also got a lot less socially relevant later on i guess beyond that beyond that he just wanted to be rich and he had that dream but it was always like slightly out of reach but isn't that isn't that a consequence of the process of a very long-running yeah. sitcom with beloved characters is well there surely there comes a point where you're just like Coldplay and you're writing stadium hits yeah exactly you know? and and when when certain bits are always like that s- that batman and robin um, scene from that Christmas special that was hilarious when it went out, but that would be totally incongruous to one of the first few seasons of yeah, absolutely of Only Fools when it felt like they were like chances from a a rough estate, didn't it? Well, after a few years of uh, making it onto top ten mm. comedy lists, but it always being the big slapstick moments yeah. where it happened, and it's weird, isn't it? So you you probably get uh, early on. The times when you get to play around with really big sets or something yeah. like that is is quite rare, and you only maybe get to do it every now and then mm. when you happen when a location happens to become available or something. But then once it becomes once the show becomes bigger, you mm. you no longer have the limitations of well you've only got the two sets and that's what you've just got to do everything on those two sets. I think with Only Fools, it was um, the sort of the precedent was set in terms of having those big belly laughs. Do you remember the episode where they got to clean that bloke's chandelier? It's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. The chandelier that, that, that must have been a huge budget episode. That is the the first time I remember properly belly laughing a, a program that was for adults. Yeah. So I remember finding kids tv amusing but the first time an adult comedy properly made me laugh and it didn't seem appropriate from up up, like before a certain point when you watch it now Mm. it doesn't seem that appropriate for really young audiences or certainly not geared towards them but yeah the batman and robin thing the chandelier thing there's a lot more slapstick in there i do remember there was a later episode where i don't think he'd been in it very much for a really long time but you know the policeman some oh uh, Jim Broadbent he he has the birth there's a birthday party or something mm. he he manages to get them all in one place together yeah and he's and it's this really weird sort of episode where they're they're coming to terms on on that with he manages to trap them all in one place yeah. together and they're talking and I think it was quite a good episode but I don't know you see I don't really know if my if my um, metric for these things is great because was it upstairs at the Nags Head yeah it was. Mm. And I don't know if my metric for judging these things is great because um, I have quite often sat, having not watched EastEnders for a really long time, <laughs> I've quite often accidentally caught one of those episodes where there's just two characters for the whole episode. It's normally Dot's normally one of them. Or is was. she still in it? I don't what think so. What about Ethel? No, Ethel hasn't been in it for a what really long time. What about Little Willie? No, Little Willie went with Ethel. Angie? He got buried with her, I think. Angie. Angie hasn't been in it for a real long time. Everyone else keeps coming back. How about Ozcabs? Has he come back? No. I um, I saw, but if it's a Mitchell, 
If Lof- you Lofty? if you end up being Mitchell, you're probably it's probably a gig for life. Why did Lofty never come back? I mean, Tom Watts is a human being that exists in the world still. He. It's funny you should mention that because Michelle, my Bill, Michelle, his who he thought the baby was hers, it was his, but it was actually Den's oh, or something. Or Mary the Punks, and then. No, it actually turned out to be Dan's. Oh, right. And then later on, I think she had a thing with Grant Mitch- Mitchell. Of course. There are rumours that she'll be back. Oh, that child will be a weasel by now, surely. Well, and she's... And, um, Suzanne Tully, right? Yeah, and there were photos. It was saying, you won't believe what Suzanne Tully looks like now. She, and She look about 30 years older? Yeah, she basically yeah. looks a, a bit like um, a her off birds of a feather. A middle-aged human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. That, isn't that funny? Yeah. You'd never so, guess what the aging process has done to this human yeah. being. It's it's very, it's very very It was a very weird thing. I was I, like, oh, so she used to look like yeah. someone off Grange Hill, and now yeah. she looks like someone off birds of a feather. She, That's she, the ageing process in British yeah. TV. She used to look like a young person, but now, unbelievably, yeah. uh, she hasn't been dipped in aspect. It, it's fucking unreal. It's when will papers get over this reductive bullshit about well, being, this was online being, content? But being, I know what you mean. Being surprised about the aging process. It's like fuck me. It's like surely we live in an age now where the aging process shouldn't come as a fucking surprise yeah. to us. I am. Um, but I know I, I often talk about how that I walk past the newspapers at work and get wound up, but they also have the TV papers and the, the TV magazines. Oh, and yeah. one of the things I read on the front was apparently something that's going on in EastEnders this week is Grant and Phil in death, like in death fight or something. One of them, one of them probably won't survive. And and it's like Grant Mitchell and Phil Mitchell and their big giant potato heads are both <laughs> on the covers and like and there are two or three different ways of handling the same story but it's basically the same story and I I looked at it and I was I like, like I like the sound of two jacket potatoes <laughs> going at it and I looked at it and I was like I know people joke about uh, like people see yeah. things and joke about how it's like stepping back in time but yeah. it. That literally could have been the cover of one of these TV magazines t- 20 years ago, I think. There it's are, very strange. I've been watching quite a lot of TV recently, but there is, like, often... <clears throat> if, you know, it's like the TV's been on and everyone who was watching it has moved on and no one's remembered to turn it off. Not saying anything, but Nicola is a bandit for not turning off television. She's single-handedly responsible for the greenhouse effect. Well, I was watching Cosmos the other day and I almost pulled her in and said, you sing this purple gas he's talking about? Because they made it purple, so you could see what it looked like if mm-hmm. it was l- lookable. <laughs> and, <laughs> lookable. And I was far, Visible? I was far too pleased for that. Yeah. I, I knew the word. All I right. went for lookable on purpose because it tickled... Comedy. The, Skid, it I popped like into it. my head and it tickled the I shit out of me. shouldn't have pissed on that, really. Yeah, I'm sort of... It's a bit inside baseball, this, isn't it? Really, my vocabulary ain't half as bad as I make out. No, I've said, I told the audience that oh, earlier. Um, you did, said, in a roundabout yeah. kind of way. Yeah. I heard it and I ignored it. Um... <laughs> That's basically that? everything yeah. I say. But th- there will be times when there's actually a scramble back into the living room to either turn it off or turn it over when the, we someone hears that, usually me, is a th- EastEnders theme tune. We haven't had EastEnders on in our house for years. It's brilliant. It's very weird. I genuinely hate it with a burning passion. It's, it's very weird because so much of it is rubbish. Mm. But then when they do do one of those two-handers, you're mm. like... And I don't know how long it's been since they've done one, but... Th- th- whichever actors they get in for it mm. like I said they used to do it I think they used to do it relatively regularly with Dot but I've seen it with the um, no, I'm not sure they did I think you're remembering that episode with Ethel and Dot 
No, there've been loved. others, and they, frankly, in my opinion, they should have jacked it in because that is the best it ever got. There was and one. Everything from there is downhill. There was one with Billy Mitchell, who for a little while Billy Mitchell was my yeah. one of my favourite characters because uh, because he he came in and he mm. was like I don't know if it was his nephew or his son, but he was just. Uh, horribly like violent and abusive towards his mm. gu- like he was guardian of this child right. and um and and it was and he got uh one of the mitchells probably phil because he's been around pretty much consistently oh, grant's yeah. gone off to be in the sas and he's died and stuff like that but and i don't think that's really happened with to street Mitchell. gangs in yeah. brazil but he's um but whichever whichever one of them wasn't having that like they can put up with gangsters, but they're not having it with uh, like a uh, someone who beats up kids. They're not having that. But then what? The he's way made, they I tell you, I tell you what. Actually, um, he's made a uh, that Grant Mitchell's made a really good career from uh, poverty porn. He's yeah. done very well, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Look is how it, poor and desperate these people are. Is that how he talks, really? Though, because a lot of the EastEnders people talk like right loves. Mm. Although I was a bit disappointed when people thought it was funny that it was beaten up by Rebecca Brooks because it's not spousal abuse it's isn't funny, funny either way, is it? No, not really. No. But that was the thing with Billy. It was weird because um, he was the he was they they were vicious to him. They beat mm. him up. I am envisaging Peppa Pig attacking Mr. Potato though in my head, and I can't help it. Right, rightly, that character was like uh, punished for being an abuser, mm. but um, over time, and then he went into this weird transition where, because he was the butt of every joke, because people just thought of him as a scumbag, he became yeah. like a figure of fun in the show, and he was almost like the hard luck character. And you you lose over a few years. You lose the well. I mean, but he's an asshole. Mm. He just seems like well, he doesn't really deserve. You know, he's not. You forget yeah. what what happened. But then later on, I think they they developed, and I think I remember it happening quite organically. They developed that he was actually abused by like a school teacher or something okay. when he was younger, and like I think the suggestion was sexually abused rather than the way he was beating mm-hmm. up his nephew or son or whatever. Um, and that was one of the two handers that I accidentally tuned into. Mm-hmm. Was him? He was. He had managed to trap this guy in a house mm. with him, and was just. And it was like some of these actors are actually not bad. Yeah, the problem, but they're stuck in EastEnders. I think. I think that's true. I think the problem is though, and for so many of them, I I, I remember reading an article a long time ago, and I, I feel a bit cynical, like it's a trap, because apparently, um, the casting team, whether this is still the case or not don't necessarily look for actors per se they look for types of people to essentially play uh amped up or caricaturized versions Versions of themselves of themselves so i think it's why so many people um struggle to have a career after eastenders and it kind of feels like the cruelest of careers yeah that you build up this massive profile with not necessarily huge amount of acting chops and then when your time is done, you're kind of dumped into a world that you're not maybe equipped for. Yeah. Plus, you've got this amazing level of fame that it's difficult to capitalise on. Yeah, especially so, if you were younger when you started. Yeah, so, yeah. so I always feel like Dean Gaffney's an incredible figure of fun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Dean Gaffney was a really young man when he got the job on EastEnders. What's his life meant to be? You know, yeah. He, the, the guy, the, was he meant? To, 
all right, he could retrain, but he's trying to sort of stay in the industry. Most of us want to stay in the industry that we're used to, so he tries to cling on to it around the edges and becomes this weird, tragic figure, and I can't help who who it's acceptable to laugh Mm. at and becomes a figure of fun on those sort of celebrity tale shows. And I'm like, but this poor bastard. He's like, he's known by everyone. Do you want to be Dean Gaffney working on a fucking building site? You know, no. Oi, where's fucking Wellard? You know, every fucking minute of your life while you're working. It, it's a real trap. I, I think the society, we're a bit fucked up in terms of how disposable we allow these people to become. I don't think it's entirely fair. It's interesting. Uh, th- this week, a show we watch a lot of is Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. We love our procedurals, yep. our brainless procedurals. And... We had no idea that the main guy on that show, who Amy loves, like yeah. he's a really none of them. Are, none of them are amazing. Well, actually, I think some of them might be amazing actors, but they're not given great scripts to work with. But like, he's at least consistent, and mm-hmm. he's a secure, like, authoritative figure on the show. But he's warm and everything, and um, and he's been fired from the show this week. Yes. For the latest in what sounds like a bit of a string of quite aggressive prima donna behaviour. He assaulted a producer, didn't he? Yeah, he kicked. He, he kicked. I think it was a producer or a writer. I think kicked. it was a producer. Kicked. But in the shin, yeah. Fucking hell. Um, like a child. Like a scuffle, yeah. That's incredible. And, and, um, and apparently there was Who some... Who kicks anyone in the fucking shin? I don't know. And, and, and you can sort of imagine how it plays out. And so one of the other actors who recently left it is a guy mm. called Shamar Moore. Um, who is another one that Amy loved, mm. but um, and he's people are because it happened quite recently. People are sort of connecting the two, and it turns out. And so I've been reading a little bit about it because people have been talking about it, and it turns out that this one guy, Thomas Gibson, who is apparently very difficult to work with, mm. um, had a, 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 a quite a difficult relationship with Shamar Moore because of Shamar Moore's pattern of he used to get pissed off with Shamar Moore's pattern of turning up to set late and it's kind of like well tardiness is frustrating well and and it's one of those things where it's like people aren't talking about it this way and I'm not going to weigh in it because this is dumb I want to make a wider point about this it's dumb to get into a well this guy's clearly an arsehole though because he kicked a guy and whereas this guy no let's get into a really reductive he said she said but it's like these people get and 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 people are deciding that shamar moore having only weighed in a tiny bit and been vaguely Mm. diplomatic since this has happened is a bit of a hero in this situation and stuff and it and it's like but at the core of it you're talking about two people who are in an industry where they are known like there are very few of these shows criminal minds has gone to 12 seasons it's i think it's on 12 seasons now there are very few of these shows that actually there's like a handful like house has probably done very well because it's because of its main star scandal does scandal had but like criminal minds lost um i can't remember his name shit and he's amazing he's in homeland now and he was in princess bride and he's got a, a, a an unusual first name andre the giant no the other one uh, I am in Ego Montoya. Oh. You killed my father. Oh, yeah, no, I can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, I should remember it. Um, but it lost him in, like, I think the, he left after, like, half a season. And, and he was definitely, or a season, and he was definitely a pull for the first few mm. episodes. But these shows don't actually, they, like, get by a lot on the premise. Mm-hmm. 
um, they get by a lot on the premise and they get by a lot on uh, the writer's abilities, not necessarily to write really well, but to tap into something, to tap into the premise, to keep it simple so that people keep coming. And as long as you make that cast attractive enough and not awful, a lot of these shows are going to keep going. But that's why there's about two dozen CSIs. Yeah, or... Well, actually, there aren't any now, but that's all happened. There were, but there were, yeah. So, and CSI was an interesting one because it it, it pulled in um, the, these have some great mm. acts on them. It had William Peterson on it for a while. Then they pulled in Lawrence Fishburne, Chish Maring. Yeah, yeah, he was, was he probably in, in one. Of them. Um, Ted Danson was in the last couple of seasons, and these really? are actually really good. But they don't need those mm. people. Like people refer to Thomas Gibson as the star of Criminal Minds, mm. but actually. Not really. These A people star. are kind of interchangeable because mm. they've got big casts and everyone gets extra yeah. screen time. Each one has their character trait. So mm. as long as his character trait gets replaced yeah. by a relatively stern, it'll probably be a man, but like by a relatively stern um, and serious character, they're going to be fine. But the you get this picture, hearing this story about how one of them got really pissy with people when he didn't really have any right to, mm. like apparently quite regularly on set. Um, and another one um, turns up late to set all the time mm. when like there are lots of people probably being paid a lot less than them mm. on that show who need the stars to turn up when they're supposed to and stuff like that those are both prima donna behaviors and be nice yeah and you know that if you delved into almost any of these because we like criminal minds but it's not uh, not really art you know it's f- it's filler tv it's a procedural yeah. so it's, um, it's an hour that where you don't think about your own mortality yeah, very much, for which tw- is a bonus. Tw- for 22 episodes a year, and that's it's basically a soap. From, that's all I want from entertainment is not to think about my own mortality. But you know that, you just know that if you dug into uh, loads of these American mm. shows, probably more American shows than, than the British ones, because I think there's different culture behind the scenes going on here, that you'd get, like, there'd probably there are probably loads of stories of people like that. Mostly the men probably get away with it for a real... I mean, I don't want to make a patriarchy point again, but there's a very good chance that men get away with that stuff for years and the minute well, a woman that, starts trying to pull it off, that, she probably gets yanked pretty quick. That's had a light shone on it recently with people talking about the behaviour of Gerard Leto, hasn't it? And his, his method yeah, and, and how much how easy it would be or otherwise for a woman to get away with the sort of behaviour that he exhibits, which is, I think, an interesting point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's like you speaking to your thing about the soaps. Mm. These people... I mean, it's interesting because when you look at their IMDb thing, you think, well, I've never seen them in anything mm. else. And you find out, well, it, all of them did a couple of episodes, of, like an episode of Law and Order, and then mm. an episode as a different character in Law and Order a few years mm. later. They've all got a CSI. They all, like, churn through. But these shows don't really make that many really you don't tend to get you don't tend to be a star of more than one of these shows if you see what i mean yeah yeah. if you're the main guy in criminal minds you're unlikely to end up being the main guy in a successful similar sort of show later on but they still get to have huge egos though yeah even though looking at it a lot of it is it's not tv you go to to really learn anything deep about the human condition or anything like that no. it's very very strange anyway actually, I, I i got thinking actually talking about um uh female behavior and male behavior and stuff i don't know if you follow tess fowler yes on um twitter because uh, i was just thinking i really like fierce confident women who who seem to know themselves mm-hmm. and i i've really been enjoying recently her 
Twitter feed where she she becomes increasingly frustrated with um, the way men react to her when she starts talking about her appearance. Yeah, I thought that was where you were going to go. Yeah, I, yeah. I really enjoyed this. That's stuff. like an endless loop, though. I am, I'm not going to try and represent it yeah. because um, I'm terrified of saying something inadvertently stupid because I think it'd be really bad. But if you, if you don't follow Tess on Twitter and you care about um, uh, visible women who aren't afraid to shout and tell you exactly what they think, I really value her Twitter feed and I recommend following her a great deal. It's interesting, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, I have a way of making that about me. Brilliant. Uh, this is uh, this is Two Grown Men. This is a show about parenting. <laughs> um, my name's Nick. He's James. Hello. I'm on Twitter at Nick's site. I'm on Twitter at James M-O-M-B. And uh, the podcast itself is on Twitter at 2GMPod. Uh, there is a website. It's twogrownmen.net, the number two. Yeah. Grownmen.net, all one word. And you can get all of our previous episodes. I quite often put a bit of work into finding stuff that we talk about and putting them in the show notes. So it might be worth your while. It is. To go have a look. There are sometimes videos. Sometimes I put those in for yep. my amusement. Uh, the We have a page on Facebook as well. Please do uh, rate and review us in your podcatcher of choice if you do subscribe uh, or comment on any of the posts or email us at 2gmpodcast.gmail.com or talk to us on Twitter or any of those things and do share us around and all of that. That would be lovely. We also have a Patreon if you want to support us with actual money. Um, you can uh, contribute as little or as much as you want on a monthly basis. That's at uh, patreon.com forward slash TOTP. And I, I've been, I'm a bit behind at the moment, but there are, there are normally sort of uh, production notes for, for episodes when I post about them, which is why I tend not to post it as soon as the episodes go out. Uh, but also if you uh, contribute more than $2 a month, um, there is an extra monthly podcast that we do. I record the next one this weekend. Yes. Still haven't got a name for it. No. Or a theme tune. No. No, that's true. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you can suggest one of those things. A can name. You, you can't name really suggest a theme tune. No. Uh, if um, that was you listening, not, I wasn't saying to James, well, you can suggest one of those. He knows he can, mm. but he's decided to abdicate responsibility for that to you. To be fair, maybe I should get Scarlett to name it. Yeah, I think that would be fair. That would make more sense. She's great it? at naming things. Yeah. Yes, she is. She's named mm. your bike. I love that. Uh, James's bike is called Lady Scorer Goal, which is really a horse name. But I mean, it's nice that his oh. bike has a horse name. I ride it. Yeah, you do. I was so preoccupied with uh, worrying that um, I didn't have enough air pressure in my front tire that I almost crashed into the back of a car that was stationary. Uh, came to a skidded stop and uh, audibly scared a woman that was stood near me. It was not a happy moment on my ride down here. Um, that's not good. No, I mean it was. I was never going to crash into it. I was in control enough of the bike for, but I I caused the back wheel to lock out and the lady, whoa! And then she told her friend that um, oh, it bloody scared me. She wasn't northern, but it sounds better. Older ladies, it's best if you she do wasn't even older. Was she not? No, she was uh, probably younger than me. Oh. So, I'm forty-one, Nick. There's lots of people younger than me. Yeah. 
That's like, like I know forty three. So you're younger than me. Proper yeah, fucking hell. Proper grown adults. Fifty percent of the people in this room are younger than me. That's right. Proper grown adults. That's the our sister podcast yeah. that nobody's uh, done yet. Yeah. The uh, so Tess Fowler. It just, there's go on, make it about yourself. Come. There's an element of there's a uh, and I wanted to I kind of wanted to talk about this a little bit anyway, but um, there's a an a an element of our culture or of how of our of our society or of our society that actively that actively resists people i the, the end result is that it actively resists people knowing themselves or trying to know mm. themselves in that way yeah um i think i actually there are probably a few other things going on mm. i think there might be um uh, an individuality versus us all being the same thing going on and Maybe. there's a way of trying to make everyone feel like they're part of the same homogenous mass even though none of us really think that way so trying to make nobody nobody feel like they're too special or too awful see to, to me yeah but to me it's um you know but at the same time people inadvertently trying to force people into stereotypes yeah. through trying to make them feel better and it's kind of bullshit as well because the thing that the thing that Tess Fowler has said without and again I don't think we, we want to represent it too much but I remember her talking about it a while ago and I feel the same way it happens more to women mm-hmm. it definitely happens more to women way more but I know that if I say to someone that I know I'm an acquired taste mm. like physically yeah. uh in terms of attraction what i'm saying then is i have lived for 42 years i'm relatively self-aware i know mm. that um i know that not everyone falls i don't have a, a generically generically mm. attractive features yep. i don't actually put a lot of stock in those generically attractive personally i don't put a lot of stock in those generically attractive features or attributes but I am aware that society does. Uh, so, when I say that I know I have an acqu- I am an acquired taste, I'm not saying I'm not. I don't actually think I'm saying anything negative about myself. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I think I'm actually being a bit individual. You know, I'm being a bit like obnoxious because I'm saying, uh, in, you know, I have. I'm very individual. You ain't I'm very get, interesting. You ain't going to get me, motherfucker, is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of very interesting. But, but the way people hear it is that you're criticizing yourself. Because the way people hear it is there is a generic, there is, a, there is a, a, an agreed upon idea of what is attractive and what isn't attractive. Mm-hmm. And anyone who doesn't fit in that mm-hmm. or who claims they don't fit in that or is told they don't fit in that... Mm. Is is somehow lesser? Well, who knows? Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. I've heard it. To be honest, uh, Tess Fowler is one of the few people who says she knows she's not attractive, or I can't remember exactly how she terms it, but she she talks specifically about her looks. I've heard people say this a lot about their weight. See, do you know it's funny? You mentioned that, and you spoke about her, and I had to sit here and fight, mm. saying, "Oh, but I think." Yeah. And 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 what she's taught me more important more vividly than than anyone else through what she's saying is what i think of how that person looks and represents themselves doesn't matter a single fuck 
it's and and she she's yeah. hammered that home to me more than any other feminist I think I've I've mm. ever read, and I really respect her for that. It's so difficult because I. It is so difficult because sometimes someone mm. is going to talk about their appearance, mm-hmm. and. And they're going to, and Tess Fowler doesn't do this, but they're going to be to some to some extent mentioning yourself, not necessarily online, but mm. mentioning stuff about yourself to your friends or whatever. Yeah. Is whether you like it or not, whether it's your intention or not, it does invite at least mm. a response from them, and it's it's not like we suddenly want people to start being honest mm. in about fifty or sixty percent of situations. If mm. you say, "Well, no, I'm not." gorgeous Mm -hmm. you might not want you might not intentionally want all of the people Mm. around you to say oh but i think you are Mm. but you probably don't want people to say well no but you are interesting looking and some people like that i i think there are Mm. i think that there's there's those like social situations i basically you just have to gauge your situation and try and Mm. try and assess what the person's actually saying when they say something like that Mm -hmm. there is no suggestion in any of what tess fowler says that she wants strangers to validate her you can just tell okay Mm. um and but i have seen people say that about weight quite a lot Mm -hmm. that they say i know i'm fat when when they are fat shamed Mm. or whatever they say i know i'm fat i'm i would like to be i would like to maybe weigh a bit less Mm. or i'd like to be healthier but or they don't even say that but i'm happy with who i am and then but then when people say to you you, you I don't think you are though you're just I mean you're just a bit yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny you, you've said you know um, I, I'm really self-deprecating and although I'm losing weight and I know I'm losing weight I can see it um, I, I'd still uh, I, I'm very self-deprecating about how fat I am and it's funny you say you know I know I'm fat but I'm happy with myself I know I'm fat and I'm also uh, full of self-loathing. Oh, yeah, and there, and there are also... And but I still are, don't need people to say, oh, no, you're not fat. I think if you were thin, my, you'd be full of self-loathing as well. My, yeah, oh, no, I, I've been thin yeah. and full of self-loathing. Yeah. Um, my response when people say, oh, you're not fat is, I've got mirrors. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, it's... And, it's, and that's the thing is... There are like everybody's asking for something different when they say that. Sometimes they just want to be heard. Okay, I, I, and when I you think, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. You, I just said sometimes people just want to be heard, and you interrupt. Yeah, me. I know. There's a, there's a massive irony there, and I feel awful. But no, I, go on. I knew I'd lose this train of thought if I let you talk. Yeah, I probably won't have a train of thought that I might lose. So carry no. on. Well, no, you're better at picking up your train <laughs> of thought than I am traditionally. Go on then. <laughs> um, I, I think basically what it is. I guess is is awkwardness at your self deprecation. They don't want you to be mm. down and sad, so their way of trying to cheer you up is to say, "Oh no!" But the opposite is, but that that's always self defeating. It's of course that's not fucking it's, true. It's entirely about them. Yeah. They're trying to make themselves feel better yeah. about what yeah. they perceive as yeah. your discomfort or awkwardness, mm. and um. And sometimes that works mm-hmm. if you know your friends well enough that you know that oh she's mm. just saying that because she wants a bit of like attention or he wants mm. a bit of attention or something. There will definitely be situations where that's the case. Mm. But most of the time, when you say I know I'm fat mm. and it's unavoidable, like you think, well, how can someone not? Mm. And of course, body image is a weird thing because there are lots of like very very skinny people who think they're fat, and other problems yeah, yeah, start yeah. arising from that. But if you know that you're not and 
someone says that and you know that it was just their knee-jerk reaction they haven't actually looked at you properly or listened to what you're saying yeah you immediately like well but now i now i no longer trust your opinion because it's we both know that i am this or or i know that i am this and you haven't even looked yeah and i've had a similar thing um when i've from people who i really like who I really care about, and mm. I don't want to throw any one particular person under the bus because lots of people have done this. Name names, Nick. No, because lots of people have done this, including the guy who did my evaluation, which was a bit weird. Oh, but the autism, the autism evaluation I went mm. for. Now, I am willing to accept mm. that I'm – because I was just – it was mainly a curiosity thing. I know that I'm in a position of – um, huge privilege that I get to just be curious about something like that and mm-hmm. try and uh, look into it. And I understand why there are ways in which the NHS and the evaluation thing isn't really designed for people like me anyway. And that's fine. But what happened within the evaluation and has happened with people since, especially around the area of empathy, mm. and it's worth bearing in mind that I did a whole and I meant I think I mentioned it last week but there was a whole episode of unanswered where Steve and I talked about empathy mm-hmm. and my personal belief of it, my personal belief in empathy I've thought about it a lot thinking back the fact that I think about it a lot might not be entirely a coincidence but um when I I've described actual situations from my past uh and I know what I was thinking or I'm pretty sure what I was thinking at the time. Certainly I've got a better idea of what I was thinking than someone who literally just heard the anecdote from me. Mm-hmm. People's instinct is still to tell me, oh, but I think that is a sign of empathy. I think this. I think you definitely, blah, blah. I think you might have been misunderstanding your own motives in this particular mm-hmm. situation. And I'm like, okay, I might not be high on the autism spectrum. That might not be my problem. But... Something very weird happens when people, when you say, well, sometimes I just don't, you know, sometimes, and there are other lessons to be learned from what I was saying, but like, um, from what I'm saying, but when I say I do this quite a lot and I I don't think other people do that and people say, oh, everybody does, oh, I do that sometimes and blah, blah, And, and there are two different things happening. One is people are telling me that things that make me that I have thought about a lot Mm. and I'm worried about, if it didn't happen the way I'm remembering them happening, Mm. even though they weren't there, or that they weren't that exceptional, so they're either completely minimising what I know is something that that isn't normal, or they're telling me that sometimes people have said things to me, and the autism um, evaluator did this. He said... Uh, about the way I deal with things at work and and the way I've um, uh, dealt with uh, the, the fact that I've got a relationship and and kids and I I seem to be handling that quite yeah. well and stuff. He used himself as an example and said, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do that and blah blah. And I'm like, well, all wow. you're really telling me is that you're fucked. Yeah. And when you tell me that everyone is. Like when you're telling me mm. that everyone feels this, everyone feels like they don't really know where they fit in, and they're just pretending. Sorry, and all can of I that get you stuff. to clarify something? Was he was he saying he couldn't have done that if he was on the autism spectrum, 
or he he is he has autism and he couldn't do it. No, I was don't he think... trying to put himself into the? No, he wasn't putting himself on the spectrum. He was, in fact, he was very much the opposite. He was trying to empathise. He was with presenting someone... himself as relatively neurotypical, but also admitting to social anxiety problems and and coping skill, like right. having to use coping skills to get through mm. everyday situations. And I'm like, well, there are two things happening there. On the one hand, that presupposes, and I know that the world and our society does have a huge, st- that there is still a huge stigma attached to mental health issues. Mm. Um, even while we all acknowledge, um, not we all, but so many of us acknowledge that all of these things are, uh, all of these things are on sort of spectrums and mm-hmm. uh grades and most most people yeah most people are some most people are somewhere on the like it's like the mixing desk we've got in front of us nearly everyone's a combination of like they're this on one spectrum Mm -hmm. and they're this in this level on depression what study you read because i read recently that's bullshit well okay so maybe that's bullshit but we kind of acknowledge most of us acknowledge that we're all fucked up to one degree or another but most of us acknowledge um that's clumsy i'm sorry no, it's fine. No, it's Most, clum- really clumsy. Well, then, st- if you're worried that you're being clumsy, mm. let let me finish. I want to draw attention to it. To the fact that you're, you want yeah. to talk over the point I'm trying yeah. to make by drawing attention to how you weren't to making my a stupidity. point properly. Yeah. Okay, fine. But, like, we, most of us acknowledge, most of us acknowledge that it's wrong that mental illness or the mental health uh, mm. issues or pro- problems or whatever uh, are stigmatised. Mm-hmm. We we mostly we when we say oh there's huge stigma about mental health we're not normally saying mm. and I mean that's just fine it's like that's how it should be we're mm. generally saying look so many people suffer from these things mm. so no no and you're you're very open minded and very cautious to sort of treat people for example if you had a friend who had massive self loathing that was driven to by a long term depression they couldn't help drawing attention to errors they've made you you definitely cope with that in a calm and um. I'm not saying I'm not saying that I would at all. That's in literally the opposite of what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, no, because I wouldn't stigmatize you for it. Well, I feel I wouldn't say Nick. I wouldn't say I think there's something wrong with you that you're like this. Okay. I'm saying, look, this is mm-hmm. this is a perfectly normal. Well, it's not normal, but this is something about you mm. that you can't help. But the outcome is still quite annoying and I'd oh like yeah, no, yeah absolutely. I'd, I'd like it if you could stop i know you mm. can't but i yeah. have to draw attention to it every yeah. time because that's what's going on with me james in my head yeah, i, I don't know. know how not to categorize I things know. but i'm probably not autistic <laughs> because the nhs says so um well that's that then i'm the, glad we can move on but so and and I un- I understand the problem and it's mm. part it's part of the way the NHS has to work. I, the, mm. the, the, I'm going in there mm. with this mindset that I believe everyone's a, has has a bit is a is mm. a combination of nature and nurture. I believe that everyone has like you can reduce people. Um, it's dangerous too, but you can reduce people to their disorders and their mm. upbringing. Or, yeah. or whatever level of disorder they don't have. I don't know what neurotypical means, and no one seems to be able to explain it to me. So it's sort of um, I. So when I when I talk about this stuff, when I say to someone, mm. uh, I went for, and I I put enough caveats in mm. um, to everything I say when I'm writing to people in chat or anything like that. I put enough caveats into everything I say that like. 
I'm trying I'm trying to make it clear. Look, I am not worried about this. This is not I am not I'm I know I'm getting on fine. This is okay. Um sorry, the the neurotypical thing though is like maybe there's a different way of looking at it. Maybe it's a little bit like a uh, you know, n- neurotypical describes people who are able to cope within the arbitrary parameters that have been created by society. I mean, that's a good that, way of putting it. That, and that's what it is. So who's yeah. to say that people who aren't neurotypical, maybe we're superior? Well, you know, rather than seeing it as worse, maybe we're better. Maybe we've been able to think outside the very small box that uh, society's created for us. I don't know. So anyway, when I'm when I'm saying I don't have a problem with the idea that I might have this label attached to me, I'm actually quite comfortable with it. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with these labels. Mm. And then the people talking to me come back at me with this sort of mealy mouth neurotic. Oh, but I don't think that you lack empathy. (laughs) I don't think this. I don't think that. Oh, I have that situation. They're telling Mm. me two different things. The one thing is. They haven't really listened. Mm. They do exist in this world where they, even Mm. if they think they're liberal and tolerant, they do exist in this world where Mm. they think there's a negativity, an innate negativity to any of these things. Mm. They're also telling me that they are more broken than maybe they've admitted to themselves. Mm -hmm. In most cases, they haven't needed to tell me that. I've kind of made that assessment about them already. Um, But they're also not listening. I'm saying, look, I'm coming to this with a very with mm. as clear a head as I'm capable mm. of coming to it, I'm comfortable with it. Whatever we end up calling it, you can tell me I'm not. I'm not. I don't have Asperger's. Mm. Uh, you can tell me I'm not high on the spectrum, but mm. you can't tell me that I'm like absolutely saturated in empathy and I find it really easy to like. I'm actually really sociable just because I can make a fucking joke in a crowded room or whatever, or that I'm comfortable with all of these situations, or that I have, I'm really, I find it really, I clearly find, I'm clearly fine with close relationships like the one with, I have with my wife and my kids. When I know that that isn't fucking true, and I've literally just told you, not you, mm. but the people I'm talking, and I've ended up telling a lot of people this no, stuff. No, you, you're not. You're, you're, the, you're, you're the most different person I know. And I kind of find I have to adjust my – I have to make a social mm. adjustment when I'm around you because I have to remember that some of the um, expectations I have when I'm around some other people don't necessarily apply to you. Mm. But that also makes you the most engaging and refreshing human being I know. Like I don't know anyone else that I know when I I say something to them, I'm going to get the absolute fucking truth back from. I don't know anyone else where I I I, I know that the pill won't be sugared because you're going to tell me the truth, and it's not going to come from a place. You're not nasty, and you're not being nice about it. You you see things with a clarity that I don't think I know anyone else who's capable of that sort of level of thought that you operate on so although i find that i kind of have to adjust a little bit um the adjustment is really rewarding so you know that's what i'm saying about this neurotypical thing was like maybe you're neuro better (laughs) you know neuro neuro superior like the x-men isn't it that felt that felt pretty good um, I mean, it can be really fucking frustrating at times as well, yeah. but I know that cuts both ways. It, it felt pretty good to hear that, and but so I, I just so I feel a bit bad for saying that when you say truth, you mean the truth as I see it. Yeah, but because I'm not, I'm not God. Yeah, I don't but, have but, a. 
but, and I'm but, joking. But truth is only a matter of perspective anyway, yeah. isn't it? But whereas I'm almost the polar opposite. I think if you know me, how can you trust a fucking word that comes out of my mouth? Because I live to make people, I live to placate. So, although I won't lie necessarily, I'll certainly sugar truth, you know, and I'll dance around shit so I don't have to answer it. It's nuts that we get on so well because cause my um, mental health kind of pushes me in that direction, whereas yours has taken you in the direction you've gone. It's interesting. It's funny, I was having a conversation with uh, Jane about your diagnosis because we spoke about it on the podcast so um, I assumed you're happy for me to discuss yeah, it in, a, in an open way um, I can't remember where I was going with this now but no, I came to a realisation that quite often I, I try and we, we were talking about you know whether you'd consider different options and then I sort of said to her and I'd come to this realisation well, the problem is I, I'm, I struggle to see Nick's quest for understanding in terms of mental health I find it almost impossible not to see it through the, the mm. perspective of my quest to understand what was wrong with me you know it's almost impossible for me to disentangle your experience with mine and kind of that's how the problem is that's kind of how empathy works yeah. is we have little tastes of experiences and then we try to we try to knit them onto someone else's to try and understand their situation and I think that you are such a refreshingly unique person, and you are, that maybe it's kind of hard for people to actually knit on to your experiences because maybe they are a little bit uh, uh, at right angles to, to, to many, in inverted commas, neurotypical or neuro-inferior people. <laughs> That's how I'm going to start referring to us now, is, is neuro-superior and neuro-inferior. Um, so normals, normals are inferior, we're all better. I like the sound of that. All of us. The, um, the autism assessor did sort of say, well, I, after I kind of said... After I said, you know, that's what... I, he asked me how mm. I felt about the diagnosis. Yeah. And I, I said... Um, I was kind of expecting it, yeah, because of how I'd interpreted how mm -hmm. the meeting had gone before yeah. the the previous meeting. I don't know if he I don't know if he interpreted that mm. as um, me kind of expecting it because mm. I I I think it's right, yeah, or or if I'd just because what I said was mm. I kind of read the way you were reacting to me and mm -hmm. figured that you thought that was the case, yeah, but. I'll, after I sort of I knew I was supposed to ask a few more questions and and so we um we talked for a bit and he said well we can like I said so I mean what does anything happen now mm. or something and he was he sort of said well he, and he said Are you fucking joking this is the NHS mate mental health good <laughs> fucking luck but he said um uh, he mentioned cognitive behavior. He said, "Have you heard of cognitive behavior oh. therapy?" And I said, "Well, I have heard of it." And I said, "But, but part of the problem, and it, this speaks to some of what you just said. Mm. I don't, I don't think I have a. I think if I'm, if I think this isn't what I said to him, but if I think intellectually about the situation, mm. clearly the way I am seems to cause more arguments than." it necessarily solves it. It makes a lot mm -hmm. of people uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. 
and it and it does make and it's why i've only got I, i've known thousands of people like i've had jobs where you meet lots of people and i still only have a very mm-hmm. like small amount of people that i'm in touch with r- relative to that so i know that it, it when i think about it i know that it isn't the case but when he mentioned cognitive behavior therapy i said the problem is while i think that's probably really helpful for a lot of people deep down i don't and i guess this is the nub of why i probably would never get a diagnosis whatever the case i actually my problem is i think that the world would be better if more people thought the way i did a lot of the time like and that sounds conceited mm-hmm. but that's what that's where the conflict comes because i'm in conversations no, no, no. with people sorry can i modify what you've said because i think there's a more correct way of saying that not think like you do think in the in in the mode that you do communicate and yeah mainly communication so if not they think communicated the think, the, yeah but communicate in the yeah and yeah. think in the mode that you think in because trying to work out what other people mm-hmm. actually mean yeah. based on what they say is too difficult and it seems to be where yeah. things and I don't think I'm the, but the other problem is I don't think I'm the only person who finds that difficult yeah. I think that when people say to you well I think everyone finds that difficult mm. I'm like yes everyone does find that difficult mm. my frustration comes from the fact mm. that people still plug keep plugging away at it you are, they do I, all these things to try mm. and make life easier mm-hmm. and despite the fact that it doesn't seem to make life easier mm. day after day after day mm. They keep doing it, and that's crazy. I, I, te- I tell you why, for, for me, uh, let's make this about me now. Okay. Well, we, it was about Tess Fowler, and now it's about me, uh, so it might as well be about d- you. Well, can I just put a full stop on Tess Fowler that uh, she's awesome, and she is, as, as the father of a daughter, she's exactly the sort of fierce, loud, honest woman I want to hear more from, and I want to hear creating the sort of world that my daughter will go into where I, I don't want I don't want Scarlet to be about what she looks like and, and, and feminine not I want Scarlet to be about who she is and what she does okay and and I think people like Tess Fowler are helping kicking helping kicking down doors I genuinely believe that I hope I remember that because noted so when I'm writing the show notes for this the um, description of the episode will mm. be uh, James thinks all women should be one <laughs> way <laughs> Yeah, um, please. We please, literally can't win. <laughs> please, please do that. Well, I don't want to win because I come from a race. I come from white. I'm a white middle class man. I stand on the shoulders of people who've done nothing but fucking win for eons. So I'll lose. It's fine. I'm happy to lose. It's not a problem for me. What's what constitutes an eon? Uh, I don't know. A long, a long time. Isn't it? Okay, good. Yeah. Right. Um, um, it's going to so, make it about you. You're going to make it about you. Oh, you! You're you're a brilliant bellwether. <laughs> that sounds rude. <laughs> no, but it, it's true. Um, your consistency. So, I my my mind is like shifting fucking sand. So. Um, there is a, I think there's a, a reasonably upbeat, confident version of me, which I think I'm presenting today. I've had a good day at work. I was complimented by my boss's boss, so I'm feeling very good about myself. So I feel like the most neurotypical, happy, sorry, neuro-inferior, happy person you've ever seen. But there's times when I get irrational or, or I'm not acting like that. I don't necessarily know. I, I think I'm, be- I'm getting better now at knowing something's up. But if I'm talking to you and we're talking about a subject that maybe we've spoken about the week before 
and I've been fine about, and we we can speak about it a week later, and all of a sudden I get all weird about it. And what I like about you is I know you're consistent. I know that whatever you're saying about it is is what you've been saying the week before, and quite often you'll just nudge me and say, well, well can we just remember in terms of... And you'll nudge me, and I remember, and sometimes I hate it. I hate being reminded because I'm in that sort of mood where it's, oh, fuck off, you know. Mm. But ultimately, you know, in our friendship as a whole, it's so useful to having someone who's so steady in terms of um, the way they think about things and their opinions and so forth. Not that your opinion doesn't change, um, but your consistency is, is, is something really useful um, to have in a friend when you know I, I know that my personality it, like I say is, is, a, is a house made on shifting sands it's it's very useful I really have blown you far too much in this podcast yeah it's a bit weird <coughs> I Listen, like it you'd have to meet him to know but it's, it's very true but then shit I do loads of stuff with Nick you must assume that I like him I mean they could they could assume that <laughs> yeah I think rock- I mean I think that again it, it, consistency is an interesting consistency of thought is an interesting thing because you mentioned about opinions changing mm. and i think one one thing i can be relatively certain of is i have i have a lot of trouble remembering what i actually thought about things to be honest but if if yeah the, but that's your genius though is you have trouble remembering what you thought about it, but not, I find more often than not, you're consistent regardless of whether you can... It's easy to be consistent when you can remember what you said last week. It's much harder to be consistent because that's who you are. So I think, I think yeah, so if the data hasn't changed, I mm. can be pretty sure that I felt the same way about it last week that I yeah. did this week. I think which is is what you're mm-hmm. getting at. So I don't I don't need to necessarily remember what I thought mm-hmm. because I know what I wouldn't have thought based on mm-hmm. particular situations if yeah, that yeah. if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And that's usually what it comes down to. One thing I did realize I I've looked at the questionnaire, the mm-hmm. autism questionnaire and I know it's easy to read an awful lot into it, but one of the things that I knew I scored quite there are certain things I scored quite low on. Mm. One of them is I know there are questions that are supposed to come out a certain way. Mm. And one of them is about routine. And it says, um, do you find that you're reliant on routines or you don't like it when routines change mm. or, or something like that? And actually, uh, my answers to that are always, well, no, I'm quite – I'm relatively – I'm quite easygoing. Mm. In terms of what I do on any given day, I don't necessarily know – I don't wake up at the same time. I have to actually remember which order I'm going to brush my teeth and shower in and mm-hmm. like – I, it doesn't matter if something drops off that routine. I don't yeah. get into a panic. I'm not obsessive about that stuff. But one thing I did work out is that most of the times when I end up in a real strop with Amy about nothing, mm-hmm. it isn't about routine, but it's about expectation. There was something ridiculous. I was upstairs uh, sorting out Noah's bedtime. And um, Noah is one of, uh, Noah's uh, one of my sons. sons. We we're haven't a, really talked about our children. We're a podcast about parenting. Yeah. Um, uh, I was upstairs uh, with Noah, and it took a little bit longer than usual. I was going to make my uh, I make my meals for the uh, next couple of weeks and freeze them. Mm-hmm. That sounds 
like a slightly OCD thing, but I only started doing it recently because I used to just always buy a jacket potato and, and I, blah. I've been doing it off and on for years. Yeah. It doesn't seem OCD it's, to me. It's, it's quite an... Um, so... Uh, Efficient way of eating healthily yeah. consistently. And But I knew I was going to be making this big batch when I came back downstairs. When I came downstairs, Amy had started cooking it. She'd almost completely finished it. Mm. Um, and I got really shitty with her. And I thought I was being perfectly rational. Mm. But what it was was I knew that I was going to be doing that and I had a certain amount of comfort mm-hmm. from the fact that I was going to be chopping vegetables yeah. and it's like if I've said I'm going to do the washing up and we've and yeah. and I haven't gone over my time for doing mm-hmm. the washing up it isn't like I said I was going to do it at this time and I haven't done you've it you've taken my process when away come down, from me yeah. but it's like I never make plans more than an hour or so in yeah. advance so it isn't like I wouldn't call that a routine but if I've planned to do something that, that, that is one of Nick's slightly more irritating characteristics but at the same time, sometimes a routine, sometimes actual timekeeping will fall completely out the window. And you don't like it when things change either. No, so we end up in, we end up stressed out for two completely different reasons. This is one of our I, – I like long-term planning, yeah. um, whereas you're all about – I can be laid back in the moment, but I need to know what's coming down – no, I'm not even laid back in the moment. Who am I trying to fucking kid? Well, but you're very laid back in the long term. I mean, that's it's confusing. We're confusing. We should go. We've been talking for a mm. while. It has been a long episode, and we didn't even yeah. say it was going to be a short episode, and it's been a long episode. Yeah. But at least we covered all the topics we intended to. Yeah, yeah, I think we covered everything. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening, listener. You're awesome. Thank you, you are. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.